want to say that it is good to see everybody with us. We're glad that you're here. Hopefully we'll say something that you can use as you go along life's way. I want to thank this congregation for the work that they've done this week. I know many of you have worked very hard. You've gone to expense. Uh, I know you're tired, and I appreciate that. Uh, Brother Joe Dukes, and those of you that remember him, used to tell me after he got older, he'd say, you know, I'd hold a gospel meeting. It'd take me a month to get over it, and I used to think that was crazy. I want you to know it takes about a month to get over these, so maybe we'll all be back together before long. I appreciate this congregation because you've opened up your congregation, you've opened up your homes, and more importantly, you've opened up your hearts because it makes a difference what we do in the lives of not only the young, but the old as well. And I want you to know I appreciate all the hospitality and the prayers and everything that have gone up to the Lord. And I hope the Lord is well pleased with what we've done this week. I want to talk to you about loving the church. And that may sound like an odd topic to, to pick up, but I want to talk about us loving the church. Now, we know that the Lord loved us. In fact, is the writers of the scriptures tell us we love him because he first loved us. And we know that Jesus said, greater love hath no man than this, than a man would lay down his life for his friends. And then he said, you are my friends if you do what I command you. In Matthew 16, verse 18, he has a conversation and he names one of the apostles. And he says, I say unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. You know, a lot of people have the idea that he was going to build the church upon Simon Peter. That, he was gonna, that Simon was going to be the rock. Later on in the next verse, he says, I'll give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatsoever you shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and so forth and so on. And a lot of people have the idea that Peter became the big cheese, so to speak, the head man, among, the head apostle, lead apostle, whatever. Jesus wasn't talking about building his church upon Peter. Do you know if you actually believe that? that he's going to build it upon Peter, you would be in contradiction to prophecy. In Daniel 2, 44, the Bible tells us in the days of these kings, God will establish his kingdom. He also tells it, it, us it will not be left to other men. God was going to be the king. Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus is the Savior, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And the Lord did not build his church upon any man. Then what was he talking about? Earlier he said, who do men say that I the son of man am? Oh, and they said John the Baptist, Elias, you know, they mentioned the prophets. But now this is what I want you to consider. This is the most important question you're ever going to answer. But who do you say I am? You see, Jesus probably knew what people were saying about him and who they were comparing him to. In fact, is, uh, in, in, in the scriptures, it tells us the king was even afraid that he was John the Baptist resurrected. Now, that'd be spooky, wouldn't it? You know, I've always wondered this deal. We always cry and cry when somebody dies. Have you ever seen them horror movies like that? Somebody dies, everybody cries, and then when they come back to life, we all run. <laughs> that'd be pretty spooky, wouldn't it? But he wasn't concerned with who the world thought he was. Who do you think he was? Who do you think I am? Who is Jesus to you? And it was Simon Peter, bless his heart, 
the guy that had all the problems. It was Simon Peter that said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Blessed art thou, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon that rock, the confession that I am the Son of the living God, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Jesus gave his life for the church. Do you love the church? Now, Brother Jim and I this week have been talking to you about the deceitfulness of sin, the pleasures of sin, and how it will lead you on. And we've talked about lives that have been ruined and destroyed and families destroyed and the hurt and the pain that sin causes. Most of you are not going to do that. Most of you are not going to wind up in the streets of South Dallas going and eating breakfast at a mission listening to a 13-year-old kid preach. Most of you will never experience that. Most of you are not going to be alcoholics, drug addicts. Most of you are not going to suffer the ravages of the immoral lifestyle that people live. But the one that will take you away We've not really covered it very much. We've hit on it, but we've not covered it. This is the one that's going to affect most people. When I was playing football, my coach came out and he said, Marlon, you're good, but you could be very good. But you have an apathetic attitude. And I stood there with a blank stare. And he goes, you don't know what that means, do you? You cannot insult the ignorant. I want you to know that, people. He went, I, He could have called me an all-American for all I knew what apathetic meant. He said, go home and look it up. You know, one time I did. I went home and I looked up. What is apathetic? It means a careless attitude. And you know what? When it comes to running in the sun, I didn't care for that. When it comes to practices, I didn't care for that. But now when the band was playing and the cheerleaders were going, now we're on board. I did have an apathetic attitude of that. I could take it or leave it. And complacency is what's going to get most people. You're not going to become Adolf Hitler's. Most of you are not going to do that. You're not going to become any of the bad things that we've really talked about. But many of you are going to become complacent. Now we know what God thinks about the drunkard. The Bible's told us that. We know what God thinks about the adulterer and the fornicators. We know what God thinks about that. I want you to look at Revelation chapter 3. The church at Laodicea. Almost God has reserved, He has reserved His most harsh criticism for the church. And at Laodicea. Oh, they thought they were doing good if you read those verses. Chapter 3. But he said, I would that you were hot or cold. He said, because you're lukewarm, I will spew thee out of my mouth. I was listening to a cassette tape years ago. You young folks, Google that one. Man, they've changed the world too much. A lot of my good stories, I, they, don't, they just fall flat nowadays. But at any rate, I was listening to a cassette tape. And a guy said that he talked to a fellow that knew Greek about that verse. I would that you were hot or cold because you're lukewarm. I'll spew thee out of my mouth. 
And he said, literally translated in the Greek, this is the complacent person. They're not hot. They're not cold. We wouldn't call them good. We wouldn't call them evil. They're just kind of in the middle. He said, I'll spew you out of my mouth. That literally in the Greek, it translates vomit you out on the ground. I thought, hmm, I like the King James Bible. But I guess it missed that one. Man, vomit you out on the ground. That's, that's awful. Awful to even think about, isn't it? And then you got to thinking, no, the King James didn't miss it. Because you see, we all know what it's like to be sick and ill. And we've all thrown up. And then we've all been so violently ill, we just spewed it out of our mouth. Complacency is a sin. And if you get to the point that God says, I would rather you be ice cold against me, I would rather you be my enemy, or be on fire for me and be my ally, but I don't want any of that stuff in the middle. We love the church. Now, when I was growing up, I, didn't, I was not raised in the church, so you have to understand the, where I was coming from and what I'd learned from older fellows that I, that I knew back in that day. I used to make this statement, and it's as wrong as wrong can be. I'm not trying to make a church member out of you. I'm trying to make a Christian out of you. Boy, that sounds good, don't it? Everybody, you know, now I know why the TV and radio preachers like that. Because <laughs> you don't got to go to church. You can be a Christian and never go to church. And that's what we were telling people. We didn't know about, I didn't know about Acts 2.47. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. As if it is possible, folks, for you to be a Christian and not be a part of the church. Now, in, in modern times, 50 years later, they don't preach that no more. You're not, you turn to any, te you listen to any of these churches that have a broadcast, they don't preach that no more. You know why? They told people you can be a Christian and not go to church. And they realized people weren't going to church. And it takes money to run these things. And they weren't sending in their little envelope with their tithe. And that's a different sermon altogether. But they, they, and all of a sudden, oh, then they came up with, I don't know where they're at now. I haven't listened to it in so long. But then after they, they ditched that program because they were losing so much money, they came up with, attend the church of your choice. Now, folks, I'm not, I'm not going to lie to you. If it does not matter what church we attend, I've got one I'd rather be a part of than this. You see, they started in 1970. And they meet on Monday nights. And Howard Cosell interviewed the founder of the church of Monday Night Football. Somebody goes, Marlon, that's ridiculous. Do you really think the church of Monday Night Football is the church of the New Testament that Jesus said I will build? Where does it say major denomination? Where's that at? Are you telling me Peter was one denomination, Paul a different denomination, John a different denomination, and they answered to their different conferences? There was none of that. 
Back then, you were, a, you were an idolater. You were a Jew. Or you were a Christian. That's all they were was Christians. Do you know in the 1990s what the fastest growing church on the North American continent was? It was in Canada, believe it or not. Yep, they're on the North American continent. <laughs> Google that too every now and then. It was called the Church of Holy Laughter. I like humor as much as the next guy. I find a lot of stuff humorous, even in Scripture. But they went a little further. They had a picture of David Letterman behind the pulpit. Now you're going, Marlon, that's not the church of, that Jesus died for. See, you're getting the point. Folks, we better attend the church of his choice. The one he died for. In Ephesians 4, there's one God, one Lord, one spirit, one faith, one baptism. There's one body. And if you look at Ephesians 1, he's head over the body which is the church. The Lord has a church. I hope you're a part of it. Do you love the church? Now, folks, I'm going to tell you something that, that's embarrassing about this deal of I'm trying to make you a Christian, not a church member. And, of course, as a kid, I didn't have a clue what I was talking about. It's important enough for Jesus to die for. Don't you think it's important enough for us to be a part of? It's important to the Lord. He gave his life for the church. And it was not an invisible entity out there where people could just do whatever they wanted to. I hope we love the church. You know, first thing to do if you're going to love the church is be a part of it. Are you a part of it? We, we use the term member of the church, part of the church. Are you? In Acts chapter 2, Simon Peter received the Holy Ghost and he stood up with the 11 and he began to speak. And he talked about prophecy a little bit. And he said, this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. He said, fellas, you're seeing those prophecies that you've heard since you were little bitty. You're seeing the fulfillment of that right now. And then he said, Jesus Christ, a man approved of God among you with signs, miracles, and wonders following. He said this. You remember that fellow that came and preached to you? A good man. A man that followed God. And he did these wonderful things that you all benefited from. He was the son of God. And then it got serious. He said that good man that did so much for you and taught you what God wanted you to do, you killed him. Now these folks in verse 37 are spooked. How would you like to wake up and realize I've killed the son of the living God? Would that not be something that would be a terrible thought to you? Now, I'm not talking figuratively. I'm talking literally hollered crucify. And you know some of them people were there and did that. They got to figure it's over. I'm done. I am, pardon the pun, I'm toast. <laughs> Then they looked at Peter and the apostles and said, Men and brethren, what shall we do? You know what they're asking? How can I make this right with my God? I have killed the Messiah. I have killed the Son of the living God. How can I make this right with my God? In verse 38, Peter said unto them, Repent, 
and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. You go down to about verse 41, they that gladly received his word were baptized. And then you get down to verse 47, God having favor with God and all the people, the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. He told you how to be a part of this. Have you done it? Have you done what Peter told you to do? And I'm, I'm going to tell you something, folks. I'm not going to build a straw man and go through arguments and all that. I'm not going to waste my time and yours doing that. You either believe it or you don't. First time I heard that, let me tell you where I was at. I'd made no bones about it. I don't believe that. That was a problem. First time Bev and I talked about being baptized. Now, folks, I was christened when I was two. So they tell me. <laughs> I don't, we didn't have picture and he didn't go on social media. So, you know, we didn't have that kind of stuff there. But they took me to this place and this guy with this robe and this rose christened me. That's cool. Then my dad decided that wasn't the right place to be. And he went to a different church and I went forward and they dunked me in water. And I'm going, okay, now I've got to be cool. I mean, I've, I've, I've covered all the bases here. I mean, I've got it covered, right? What more you want me to do, people? So I start preaching, then I meet this little girl from Gunner, and the first thing she says is, you got to be baptized. And I'm going, now listen, people, I like water as much as the next guy, but this is getting ridiculous. And I didn't know, why do I have to do that? I've already, look what I've already done. I didn't believe the words of Simon Peter. Not then. As we begin to study more and look at it more, I realized I had to do what God said to do to be a part of his church and to be a Christian and not what the preachers had told me. Have you listened to God? Are you trusting that some preacher's right? You know, I've had people say sometimes, Marlon, I know the Bible says you've got to be baptized, but if I do, I'm going to condemn my grandmother or, or my mom or dad. Let me give you two things on that. Number one, if you've got a family member that's lost, they don't want you to do that. Look at Luke 16. The rich man was in torment. He said, I've got five brothers. Send Lazarus that he may go back to my father's house and warn my brothers not to come to this place. That would be the attitude. Of those. If they're lost, they don't want you to be. The second thing Bev and I discussed very early because we went to my grandmother's that I loved dearly. She wanted to show off her grandson and his wife and all. We went to church with her and it was not the church of Christ. I'd been a member of the church just a short period of time when we did that. Coming driving down the road, Bev and I weren't speaking to each other. It wasn't because we were mad. I finally broke the silence. I said, you know what? I love my grandmother, but that didn't feel right. Bev goes, it wasn't right, Marlon. That what we did wrong. And we made an agreement right there. We're not ever doing that again. When it comes time to worship God, we're going to meet with the brethren. And that dawned on me. How am I ever going to convince my family to do what's right if I'm not willing to do it myself? I would be like the dad sitting there smoking a cigarette going, don't do this, boy, to kill you. And I'm not, I'm not preaching against smoking, you know. Have you ever known anybody like that? He's guzzling that beer going, oh, this stuff bad for you. <laughs> Give me some more. 
if you're not willing to do it yourself, how are you going to get others to do it? If you're not willing to do it yourself, how are you going to get family to do it? Have you done what Peter said to do to be a part of the church so the Lord could add you? Now, we had another little custom that I liked. <laughs> Brother so-and-so has come forward and expressed his faith in Christ and asked Jesus into his heart. That's not what Peter said do, that, but we'll get to that some other day. And now brother so-and-so is a candidate for baptism. All those in favor, say aye. Now my dad did not really believe in that, but he had to do it because it was in our handbook that what pastors had, he was a pastor, what pastors have to do, or he became one after I started preaching, but he pastored a little church. And he, my dad would do this, and I, I, don't, I think he was more of an authoritarian than a de democratic person, but he would say, this person has come forward. They're a candidate for baptism. All in favor say aye. Of course, there are no no's. He wouldn't give you a chance to vote no. But you know, if you'll Google it up, there are instances where they voted no not to baptize somebody. Do I get to vote whether you get to be a part of the Lord's church or not? Did God give elders a vote? Evangelists a vote? Did he give the members of the church a vote? Where is that at? Have you done what Peter told you to do? If you've done that, then God himself, the Lord Jesus, is going to add you to his church. Have you done what he told you to do? You know, I think it's very important that you understand what you have. Jesus gave a parable, Matthew 13. I think it's about verse 44, if memory serves correct. Kingdom of heaven is the man plowing a field and he found this treasure. And for joy thereof, he went and sold all that he had and bought that field. Is the church worth selling all that you have for? You know, Jesus has looked at, at people and, they ha and he has said to them, Go sell all that you have, give it to the poor, and come follow me. I love it when brethren say, if the Lord asks us to give up everything, we've got to be willing to do it. Where did if come from? Did you hear me say if? Did you hear Jesus say if you want to? He said, go do it. Have you ever known anybody that would sell all that they have to do the work of the Lord? Literally. Oh, I have. I want you to know I know several of them that have. And they're all women. That's surprising to me. You see, we had to make a choice working the job I had or going into full-time church work. We just bought a new house. We got new furniture. We got two new cars sitting out under the carport out there. I just got a promotion. Biff said, we're going to do this. Sold them cars. Drove the for sale sign in front of the house and we came to Plainview. And we moved from where we were at to Seth Ward. And by the way, I like Seth Ward. I still go back through there every now and then. It brings back old memories. But I've known these women, their husbands that are preachers will come in and say, hey, we're going to go down here and we're going to start. We don't even ask. We're going to, we're going to, we're going to go from here and we're going to go to there and we're going to start a new work. And you know what them women do? They get a box down and they start packing up. And they forsake all. 
to do that work. We don't talk about them very much. Would you do that? Would you sell all that you have? Now, I've got, I just got to be honest with you. Back in those days, I know how I was thinking. I'm not going to do this. If Blondie hadn't have decided to do it, that's what I call Bev. If Blondie wasn't behind it, I probably wouldn't have done it. You willing to walk away from everything to have the treasure in the field? I know these women that have. And I'm going to tell you something. We've moved in some places. They didn't know nobody. They'd never been in their life. And they didn't have a clue what kind of place they were going to live in. That girl's lived in some nice places and she's lived in some shacks. And she always made them a home. Would you do that? I'm not preaching the praises of the evangelist's wife to you. I'll tell you what I am preaching. Are you willing to do it? They did it. Even with some of us doubting. But that's what Jesus said. Being a part of the church, the kingdom, is more important than anything you got. Is it more important for you to be here than anything you got? Let me tell you something. This good job I was telling you about. I, got to, I was working at a different job, and this one here is going to pay two or three times as much. And, and I went in and interviewed, and they said, you've got the job, and you can start. And uh, it had a problem. Went back to church at Gunner, back in our old wooden building. And uh, Brother Arch Haney was there. And y'all don't know Brother Archie, but that's fine. I said, Brother Archie, I got a problem. I need to talk to somebody. He said, okay, son, let's talk. He, we went up to the front row. Everybody else was out. He said, what's the problem? I said, I've got a chance to take this great job. It's a promotion. We're making more money. We can buy the things we've always wanted to buy. But I can't go to church on Sunday. What would you tell that young man? Well, you can be a Christian and not be a part of the church. You go get your money. Is that what you tell him? Is that what Jesus said do? Oh, go for the gold out here and then, you know, whatever you got left over time for me, that'd be cool. Brother Archie could have said, I'll tell you what, here's your little tithe envelope. Just send us some of that and you'll be okay. Y'all know better than that. Brother Archie looked at me and he said, I'm going to tell you something, son. I've quit a lot of good jobs so I can go to church. Then he got up and walked out. I thought we were having a conversation. He thought we just had it. <laughs> so I went in and told him, I said, I'm not going to take this job. And I told him why. I told him about Brother Archie. And this guy said, is that all your problem is? I'll tell you what, instead of coming in at nine, come in at noon and work extra hours. I would have never thought to ask. I'd have either done it or walked away. You willing to do that? You willing to quit a good job to serve the Lord? Now I know you got to make a living and we do, we play scripture against each other. He that provided not for his own, worse than infidel. You really think you can play scripture against each other that way? What are you willing to give up for the kingdom? Jesus said everything. Put it first. Seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness first. You know, that's really never changed. In all the years of preaching I've done, I've heard older preachers that were not part of the church and now part of the church, and it's never changed. God's always demanded the first and the best. Is that what you're giving him? I hope that it is. Let me ask you a question. What would you think or do if you knew 
that the Lord, that God himself was here and Jesus and the angels and the souls of all those righteous men we read about. What would you think about this place? I'm kicking my shoes off, boys. We're on holy ground. Do you know that's what you're doing right now this morning? If you look at Hebrews chapter 12, you know what Hebrews 12 says? You have come before God, before Jesus, an innumerable company of angels and the spirits of just men made perfect. When did you do that? When you come through the doors of the church. When we gathered as a church, that's when you came in that presence. And you're there right now, brethren. What would you give to be a part of it? Some? Everything? It's up to you. No, there's a comparison with the church. In Ephesians chapter 5, starting about verse 23. You know what Paul does? He preached about the home. He talked about husbands and wives. He said, now this is a great mystery when he concluded this thing. But I speak of Christ in the church. You know, the church is the bride of Christ. Is the bride faithful? How many of us, when we got married, the bride looked at us and go, loved the ceremony, liked the food, everything was going cool, loved the singing, Marlon. But I'll catch up with you later. I got other things I got to do. <laughs> is that what you thought was going to happen? Really? No, we expect the bride to be faithful, don't we? She expects the same thing. Why? Because we're a husband and a bride. You think Jesus expects the same? You're his bride. You know what? When Bev and I were dating, I, I knew that there were other boys that liked Bev, and I wanted to stand out of the crowd. You've got to stand out, fellas. I mean, if you can't just be another face on, on the team. So I would send Bev letters. And I thought, that's not good enough. I would write nice, neat little, I thought they were clever, sayings on the outside of that envelope, front and back. She knew when she got a letter from Marlon, but not the way you're thinking. I sent it to the little town. We didn't have email and I, uh, I didn't even have a telephone uh, at all. We had to go to a payphone, and everywhere Bev did, you'll have to Google this one, it was long distance. <laughs> so it cost money. But I could send her a letter for like two or three cent stamp. And so I would send her letters all the time. And I'd send it to the little town of Dorchester, Texas, just north of Gunner. What I didn't know is my mother-in-law, future mother-in-law, was the postmistress. <laughs> and I didn't put it in the envelope. I put it on the envelope. <laughs> you know, she would have a birthday. And I would go and buy her presents. And I'd remember, and she was always very, very grateful and gracious with that. I would be heading home and I'd cry. Because she deserved better than that. But I just couldn't do no better. You know what? When I got a job, I thought I was very wise and smarter than the guys that run the company because I got them to put me on the night shift. I didn't realize nobody was jockeying for position for this. 
I thought I had to, I had to sneak around them and, and, and kind of convince them. But I got a night shift job. 11 at night, 7 in the morning. Do you know why this is cool? Let me tell you why this is cool. Because I could work and make my money so I could, could, could have a living. And I could get off in the mornings, do a few things at home. And then I'd go see Bev in the afternoons. And still, you know, she's going to bed 10 o'clock, so I can go back to work. Now, those of you that have worked shift work know the one thing I did not figure into my game plan was sleep. <laughs> I come in, I would, I would go in on Sunday evening after church, after taking Bev home, go to work. The next time I went to bed was on a Thursday. Now, I'm going to tell you something. Times have changed. <laughs> After we got married, I told her, I said, unless the house is on fire, don't you wake me up. <laughs> Why would I do that? That's my bride. That's the lady of my dreams. And it didn't hurt me a bit to do that. I was thrilled to get to do that. You're the bride of Christ. How do you treat him? What do we do? Is it a pain? Is it a problem? Now, I'm going to be totally honest with you. There's times on Wednesday night, I'm tired. And I don't want to go. There's times on Sunday that I'd rather take a nap. And I'm not kidding you. Now, fortunately, in my world, I've never gone that I, was, that I regretted it. But is that the attitude we have? In Pearland, and I've told a lot of Pearland stories... We had a fellow that had got stepped on a landmine in Vietnam. And, when he, and it messed him up. He couldn't hardly walk. He couldn't use his hands. And when he took communion, he couldn't grab the stuff and, and the bread. And so what we did was he, he could hold a cup. We'd have him bring a cup. And when we come by, we poured one in for him so he could take communion. Somebody would pinch off a piece of the bread and put it where he could take it. We had another fellow there that had cystic fibrosis. He died in his 40s. And he had to spend four hours a day, seven days a week on some breathing machine. I never did understand the program there. Now, somebody's going to go, now you're going to tell us they were very faithful. They were. But you know, that's not what I'm going to tell you. You know what I decided we were going to do with those boys? They're the excuse committee. And when you got a headache and you got a hangnail and the kids got a soccer game, go tell them why you couldn't be there. And you stand in front of a guy that can't hardly breathe, but he's there. And you got a guy that can't hardly use his hands or his legs and he's there. You know, some of my ailments just aren't that bad, are they? What does it take to get you to miss? To not be in the presence of God, the Savior, innumerable company of angels and the just spirits of good men made perfect. What does it take? Sometimes not much. Sometimes not much. You know, I've actually had in my life some problems where I've actually compared myself to Job. You know what I figured out after I got older? What I was calling the patience of Job was not even a problem. You know what it was? It was an inconvenience. I've had some inconveniences in my life. Now, some of you have had problems. I know that. 
Some of you are battling problems now that are real problems. I've had inconveniences. And sometimes they've stopped me. What's it worth to you? Realize what you have. The comparison is to marriage. Now I've got some conclusions for you. Being there is a joy. My father-in-law used to tell me before I married that girl, he goes, you know what? You got that old jalopy car. And the very first car that I had, I gave $100 for. Pushed it more than I drove it so it was safe. But he said, you know, to get over here and date that girl, you become Mr. Goodwrench. And he said, you don't know how to start it when it's time to go home. <laughs> it's a joy to be there. I wanted to be there. One time we, we hauled hay. My friend was dating Beverly's little sister. And, uh, and we hauled hay. We had a truck and all that stuff. And dad wanted us to haul this hay and he paid us to haul that hay. He had 700 bales. Well, there was only two of us and we really had to manage that. So the girls decided they would come out and help us. On the fourth day, <laughs> dad made the girls go to the house and, and him and another fella helped us finish that up. <laughs> Four days, 700 bales. We were packing it on, weren't we? But it was a joy to be there. We didn't want to leave. Is it a joy to be here? When it comes time to go to the house of the Lord, are you glad David was? King David? Is it a joy to be here? Or is it something you have to do? Supporting it is not a great burden. We talk about the three T's, or they used to, time, talent, and treasure. Time, talent, and treasure. Are you supporting it with your time, your talent, and your treasure? It's not a great burden if I'm doing that. I've supported Bev with that. Why do we not support the church that way? Using your abilities and helping it in what you can do. Do you do what you can do? There is a saying among organizations, and I pray it's not among the church. 95% of the work is done by 5% of the people. Most organizations will tell you that. Is that the church? 95% of the work is done by 5% of the people. And I'll tell you what I tell the boys at home, the younger ones. As an elder, I will never ask you to do something I'm not willing to do myself. But I will ask you to do things I can't do myself. That's the deal we've got. Now, the big problem is when they don't think I can do it and I think I can. <laughs> now, that's a rub. But they can handle it. Are we using our abilities to do what we can? Are we fulfilling our mission? Ephesians 3, 8 to 12. God chose to do it this way. He was going to make known to the world the manifold wisdom of God. Is that what we're doing? Lord, have they all obeyed thy gospel? No. But have they not all heard? Yea, their sounds went to the end of the earth. It's not our responsibility about who obeys and who doesn't. But our sound needs to go to the end of the earth because God is going to make known to the world the manifold wisdom of God through his 
people. And I hope that's our mission. To save ourselves and them that hear us. The boys at home wanted us to have a, a mission statement. You know, just a little short thing. And I've seen churches with mission statements that takes, it's like reading a novel. And I told them, I said, here's our mission, boys. We are going to save souls and change lives through the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what we're going to be about. We're going to make known to the world the manifold wisdom of God is what I should have put out there, but a lot of people don't understand that language. So I'm going to ask you. You know what Peter said, 1 Peter 2, 17? Honor all men. Love the brotherhood. Fear God and honor the king. 1 Peter 2, 17. Do you love the brotherhood? Now, he wasn't talking about the brotherhood of man. He'd already said, honor all men. In other words, give honor to whom it do and all that. He said, love the brotherhood. You know what he's talking about? The church. Do you love the church? Are you a part of it? Jesus died so you could be his bride. If we can help you, come as we stand and sing.